Hello and welcome to the podcast edition of the MBA Summit, where we're diving into the topics prospective MBA candidates actually care about and giving you real answers from real business leaders. I'm John Byrne, Editor-in-Chief of Poets and Quants, and today I'm speaking with two Michigan Ross MBA grads who have used their degree as a stepping stone for successful careers in impact. They'll be sharing advice on how to leverage the right program to follow in their footsteps. So let's meet our guests. First up uh, from San Francisco is Ashanti Ranasinga, who is working, uh, really interesting title, I have to tell you, Head of Exploration and Future Sensing at the Omidyar Network. I wonder what that means. I can't wait to hear. <laughs> and then we have, also in San Francisco, but really, uh, he works out of New York. He's visiting the Bay Area today. We have Samir Malvia. Uh, and Samir is the general manager of One Concern. He graduated from Michigan Ross in 2013. I should have mentioned that Ashanti graduated in 2011, so they were separated by two years. And this is their first meeting together. Is that right? Yes, it is. And I'm and Ashanti definitely wins the title award of this call for sure. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, actually, I have to ask you about that first. Ashanti, what do you really do? <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's, yeah, great question. Very Silicon Valley uh, title. So I do a new area of work for us at Omidyar Network, where we try to watch the way the world is changing. We try to track different trends and really pay attention to things that could be coming over the horizon. And we incorporate that into our work in that we might use it for some of our social impact work. We might actually start a new area of work based on it. Um, and frankly, we just realized, you know what? The world has been changing at an incredibly accelerated pace. We were really shocked by some of the events over the last few years, and we didn't want to be on our back foot anymore. That's great. So, you know, most people think of the MBA as a path toward more traditional careers, consulting, investment banking, CPG, and what have you. Uh, yet the two of you actually did start out in more traditional fields, uh, consulting and venture capital but ended up in social impact. So, so tell me, when you were beginning to even think about the MBA, um, what career you really wanted to enter? So consulting, to be honest with you, when I first went into it, it wasn't like, oh, this is, this is the ultimate destination of my entire career. But I knew there were some really essential skill sets in that practice that were going to be really important to me. And I've definitely seen that to be the case. Everything from, you know, leading client meetings, building Excel models, you know, doing market research and learning things very quickly. They've all been very helpful. And probably, honestly, the most helpful thing has been um, actually just figuring out how to add structure to a really ambiguous question. You know, you're constantly tackling questions from clients and they're never the most straightforward. They're the ones they can't figure out themselves. And the work I do now is all this ambiguity, uncertainty, unknown. So it's, it's been really helpful. Um, and it's fun to, to apply it now to a space that I just feel more passionate about. And Samir, when you went to Michigan Ross, did you think you were going to go into venture capital right away? Or did you, in fact, have an ultimate goal of being in social impact? Yeah, I think, you know, my path before the MBA was pretty traditional, right? I started my career out of undergrad in investment banking. Um, and then kind of took a 180, which we'll get into later. But I came to Ross because my sort of experience before the MBA was very finance oriented. And I wanted to round it out sort of with uh, marketing consultant, you know, uh, leadership, uh, 
you know, strategy, things like that. I'd had the traditional experience before Ross and, and really wanted to get into sort of the intersection of impact and finance, which ended up being sort of the venture capital firm that I went to work for. So uh, my, my Ross experience was pretty tailored toward impact, really great program for that. Uh, and then used that sort of career in venture capital to springboard into my current role, which is working um, in an operating role at an early stage startup that does have an impact orientation, if you will. So Samir, what did you actually learn in VC that kind of sets you up and you currently apply in your current role? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the most common misconceptions about venture capital is that it's a job in finance. Uh, finance definitely plays a role in the job, but it's definitely not the focus, right? So investing in early stage companies is a lot like a case study in business school. You know, you're evaluating, you're diagnosing a problem, you're identifying a solution to address these challenges. Um, and so, you know, when I was working with a VC firm, I, you know, I definitely was working with entrepreneurs across the world understanding their operations in and out. So every company is a little bit different, but they definitely share a lot of the same challenges, you know, finding product market fit, building great teams, managing with limited resources, et cetera. And so when I switched sides of the table from, you know, from investing in early stage companies to working at one, a lot, it carried a lot of these lessons with me. Um, obviously, it's a lot more stressful when you're actually in the operating seat as opposed to the investing seat. Um, but a lot of the, you know, a lot of the things that came out of my MBA and came out of my role in venture were very applicable to my current work, uh, you know, in an operating role with, a, with an early stage tech company. And Ashanti, you uh, touched on this a little before. What did you take from the consulting world, and you worked for BCG, uh, to the world you're in now? Yeah, it's really that just wrestling with problems that we don't understand. I mean, I think the um, in many ways it feels a bit like you know, you're you're diving really deep into something you don't know anything about case after case, you know, you don't know the client, you don't know the topic. It's a bit rough. I'm not going to lie. The learning curve on that is 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 a steep one. But I think that just learning how to learn quickly, apply it to something you don't know much about, structure something that has no structure to it to begin with, like those are really essential skill sets. And um, impact is one of the most confusing spaces there is, frankly. There are no answers. We don't tackle easy problems. And so just the practice of doing that over and over again has been really helpful. That would drive some people crazy. <laughs> it definitely would. As you can tell by my hair, I'm a little crazy. So, <laughs> so, so how, how did you know you wanted to do the work you're doing? And were there particular experiences that actually influenced your path? Samir? Yeah. So when I started my career, I definitely didn't want to have a mission oriented career. I would say that I was a mission driven person. I think it was something that my family and, and, and my, some formative experiences as a child sort of drilled into my head. Um, but I thought I wanted to give back when I got older and, and be a part of, you know, impact or mission orientation when I, you know, later on in life. I thought I was going to be a corporate attorney, hotshot corporate attorney or financier, make a ton of money, donate to charities and really give back that way. Um, but you know, I, I think I got into this whole mission driven world on accident. So I worked on wall street from 07 to 09, which is obviously the worst time in most of our lifetimes to do so. Um, and even though I got offered a third year analyst position, which was pretty rare at that time, given the way these banks were working, I was pretty fed up with all the negative press and negative sentiment that I saw all around me. I decided that not only were they going to leave the bank, um, but I was going to leave the U.S. for a couple of years. So I was kind of taking a look around, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I stumbled upon a fellowship program through an impact investing firm that placed you at one of their portfolio companies. Through the program, I, I, I worked at a company called Ujivan Financial Services um, that made loans to lower and middle income families to help them improve their lives. 
Um, and so, you know, I said, this would be either, you know, a really great career experience you know, or this would look really good on a business school application. So I wasn't really sure which one it would be. But after I moved to India, I kind of, you know, to be very, to be very candid, I was caught off guard with the amount that it sort of changed my life and, and changed the way I was going with my career. Um, you know, I sort of fell in love with the intersection of profit and purpose. You know, some people call it that. Some people call it using scalable business models to affect change. Um, but whatever it might be, it's basically using market-based solutions to address some of the most critical challenges we face as a society. Um, and, you know, again, I just want to stress that these are all very much for-profit companies, very much companies that do generate return for both their employees and their investors. Um, to give you an example, the company that I worked for in India, they had their IPO a few years ago. And similar to any IPO in, in Silicon Valley, everybody sort of did well based on this. So, Again, using um, market-based solutions to address critical challenges is sort of the thesis that I've built my career around over the last decade or so. And a lot of this was started uh, because I was just pretty fed up working on Wall Street during the Great Recession. Ashanti, what about you? Well, I mean, probably in a very similar way um, to Samir, we, you know, I was born in Sri Lanka, uh, also in South Asia. And I've always had very strong ties to family there. You know, I moved to the U.S. when I was fairly young, but I think... From an early age, I felt like I was sort of in between spaces and in between identities. And I think, to be honest, whether you're born here or somewhere else, or you just feel different within yourself from the people around you, this feeling of being in between spaces is, I think, a very common feeling for people, though they often feel unique at the time of experiencing it. And I think what it did is it it kind of made me do two things. One, just sort of learn to adapt to every kind of new situation I was in. And then a second thing was really appreciate what was going on in sort of the fringes of society where people weren't really paying attention, like what was happening in Sri Lanka versus the U.S., what was happening among people who didn't often have a voice in the mainstream, like what was actually going on uh, in a more, to frankly, more regular people, uh, but wouldn't be necessarily featured in like news, for example. And so I just got really passionate about advocating for more perspectives and more voices and telling, listening to people who are not normally incorporated into, you know, the way we build things, the way, you know, the way tech is run, the way we do business. And that passion just became a passion gradually then for impact as well. So how do we, how do we actually change who leads? How do we actually take people who are normally maybe consumers of something, but make them leaders in designing it or leaders in solving the problems in their own communities. So that, that passion has just been sort of instilled from a very young age. And, and I'm excited that I'm able to actually you know, do that as my job. So what gets you excited about your role now? Samir? Just to give a bit of background, my current company, One Concern, uses artificial intelligence to predict the impact of natural disasters. We work with governments, Fortune 500 companies, insurance companies, basically any enterprise that deals with natural hazard risk uh, can use our platform to sort of improve their preparedness and understand their true risk. I think what gets me most excited about my current role is first and foremost, the mission. Uh, you know, coming out of the World Economic Forum in Davos and, and just everything that you're reading in the headlines today, uh, the risks of climate change are growing. Um, and I'm really excited to work uh, with a company that can play its part in helping companies mitigate against natural hazard events. Um, I think beyond the mission, the journey of helping build a company is really exciting. Um, you know, I think Ashanti used the word ambiguity uh, earlier in the call. Uh, but that, that ambiguity, while also um, is, it's very, is incredibly exciting, it's a, it's a big challenge. Um, you know, every day you're making decisions with imperfect information. Um, but, you know, it's also the most exciting part of the job. So Ashanti, what makes you excited about the role you're playing right now? 
Okay, well, a couple things. So I've been at Omidyar Network um, for almost five years now. I came straight out of consulting, which I went to after business school. So I've been in, I've been there in a few different roles, um, originally in strategy, uh, and now in this uh, leading this new area of work around exploration and future sensing. And what I really love about it is, you know, because we're tackling such tough problems, our roles actually have to be as adaptive as the space. And so I love that that form of change and learning. I, I think I'm, I'm just a lifelong learner in that sense. Like I like to learn about a new thing, try something hard and then start over on a new topic from that point. So um, I love that. I love, I love the, the weirdness of it all. But I also, frankly, I mean, feeling like something that I'm doing is benefiting somebody somewhere is a hugely motivating factor for me. And so I, um, it's a double-edged sword, to be honest with you. On the one hand, it's really motivating, makes you very passionate. On the other, you we you probably overwork and you can't stop thinking about it. You read the news and you think about all the things that are going on in the world and you worry. Uh, and so it's 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 a passion for sure, but it's not um it's not something that always comes with an easy life, I guess, in some sense. What I'm excited about is just the ability to work on these incredibly tough problems every day. Um, and we, using the tools of impact investing, of philanthropy, um, p- paying attention to the way the world changes and knowing that, you know, what I do every day matters somewhere. So, Shanti, you're nine years removed from your Ross graduation. Samir, you're seven years removed. I'm wondering if you could look back and think about what experience you had while you were in Ann Arbor at the Ross School in your MBA that are relevant to your current role today. Samir, what do you think? Yeah, so I think, I think there's, I'd put the experiences into two buckets. I think there's the direct and the indirect experiences that you have when you're a student in an MBA program. Uh, one of the main reasons I chose Ross was because of its programming around social impact. It sort of touches every single aspect of the program, which I thought was a really great fit for me. Uh, But two sort of experiences stand out um, as the most formative. So first and foremost, Ross is the first sort of MBA program to have built out a student-run impact investing fund, um, which, you know, which I had the opportunity to lead and work on. And the, the the fund has served as a model for other MBA programs across the country, but I really got you know, hands-on experience from the first day on campus with making early stage investments into social, uh, socially positive companies. And in fact, you're chairman of the board for the fund I, today. I am chairman of the board. Uh, it's, it's, it's sort of one of the ways that I'm really still involved with the Ross community. It gives me an opportunity to work with the students almost on a daily basis, which is pretty awesome. Um, but another example during my, during my period, uh, Ross, and, and every student has this opportunity, is the, is the MAP project. My particular MAP project was uh, working with a company related to the vaccine supply chain in sub-Saharan Africa. Um, and actually, you know, in my career so far, I've invested in a few supply chain companies um, that all leverage sort of the experience that I built uh, during that project. Um, and, then, and then back to the indirect experiences, I think, is, is the network that you built. Um, you know, I'm fortunate now to have Ashanti in my network, but you know, for, uh, there's every week I'm on the phone with a new Ross alum, uh, able to tap into their network. And some of them are my clients now. I'm a client of theirs. Um, and so really building that network through you know, my fellow classmates and, and people that I still interact with on a weekly basis has been really great. Ashanti, what about you? Ross was instrumental for me. I mean, I think when you start business school, you often have a passion for something, but you don't know where to put that passion. So I knew that I was really interested in social impact. 
emerging markets. There weren't very many schools at the time that really invested in that. And even though there are more now, I would say there are a few that have done so with the real like dedication that Ross has. And it was a, such a huge asset for me when I was at school there. So you come in with this very passionate, you know, feeling in your gut, like I want to do something good. I know I could do business. How do I combine them? And I mean, it's everything from Emerging Markets Club, which I was a, is I was a co-president of, to Rossnet Impact. Um, I, I also did a, a William Davidson Institute fellowship over the summer, uh, which was hugely formative for me. I worked in Bangladesh um, for about three to four months working at CARE, uh, a large NGO that has a very big office there. And that was the first time I actually got exposed to sustainable finance. They were starting a, a joint venture um, with Dannon at the time. And they had no idea how to structure the deal. They had come up with this model internally. It was growing way too fast within an NGO. It couldn't actually exist there anymore. And they were like, we need to spin this out into its own thing. But we don't know how. And so Dannon came in willing to provide some funding, but they didn't know how to actually, you know, build a model to demonstrate that they also deserve some part of owning the final entity. And I was able to help with that. And that was a that was an amazing thing to actually see that something like finance, which you associate with businesses and you know investments and a for profit sense, could actually be used to benefit a social good. And that was you know the thing I think that Ross provides is almost just like an open space to try out what to try try out different things, figure out where your passion can sit that can also have a practical use. I think there the thing about really caring about something is like, if you can't figure out a way to channel it and use it, it doesn't become very useful to anybody. And so that's what Ross is really great for. It's like, it's, it's a place to do that. Um, And honestly, if I hadn't done it, I wouldn't have realized like, this is what I love. This is the tool that I want to apply to that love of mine. And now I need to just go figure out a way to do it. Ashani, what did you do before coming to Ross? I worked in nonprofit mostly, and then also a little bit of sales and marketing. Um, I Nothing, to be honest, that would say, oh, this is definitely the path I need to take. The, re- the way I came to Ross was actually on the side of working in um, nonprofit spaces. I also started doing some work in Sri Lanka with my family. It was uh, the tsunami hit in 2004, and I was really concerned about what was going on in Sri Lanka for everybody who was sort of especially for people who didn't have sustainable housing. If the, if, you know, if you get flooded, your house is pretty much destroyed. How do you rebuild it? You don't have savings or, or a way to do that. And so um, we got involved in helping some families rebuild their homes and restart their, you know, jobs or vocations. And that work made me realize like there's a really good tie between business and impact. And that led me to realize, okay, I need to go to a program that's going to let me really explore that and figure out what that means. Which kind of leads me to the next question, which is, you know, a lot of people would think that business and social impact are at odds with each other. And a lot of non-traditional applicants go to business school wondering whether or not, in fact, they're just going to uh, run across people who are future masters of the universe, who have sharp elbows, and who have dollar signs for eyes. (laughs) Is impact and business really at odds with each other? Samir? You know, I think this in this day and age, they're completely and entirely connected. Going back to just in line with my work, but if you look at the recent headlines, BlackRock, which is one of the largest asset management firms in the world, came out and said that, you know, we're really going to be focused on climate change across our portfolio. And if, and if a company that can have almost a trillion dollars in assets can come out and say, hey, climate change is very important to us, 
uh, it shows is a really great example to me of how the two are completely connected. I think people realize that you know there's a lot of tools in the toolbox. There's philanthropy, there's impact investing, whatever it might be. Uh, but the bottom line is that there's critical challenges that we face as a society, and if we don't approach them as real business problems, we're never going to solve them. Um, and so I think every day, more and more people are trying to use traditionally for-profit business models. Um, to address these challenges. I mean, if you think about, um, if I'm, you know, in, in New York City, there are the number of health tech companies that are growing really to address some of the challenges that we're going to have as our, as our population ages and things like that. I mean, everybody's really trying to apply these, these traditional business models to these challenges. And so I do see the two as intrinsically linked. And I think it's a really exciting time for people that are either had traditional career paths that want to do impact or people that have impact careers that want to be a little bit more on the traditional side. The blending of these two worlds is a really exciting time. And I think coming out of the MBA program or, or even going in right now, probably a really, really great time to be doing so. Ashanti, why did you see these two as connected business and social impact or nonprofit worlds? The way I look at it is the world has a lot of problems that we face right now, and we need all the tools that we can get to really address them. And whether that's how does for-profit actually adapt to address social impact issues, that's one. How does nonprofit adopt more finance tools? How does it use more assessments, market assessments, like uh, profit and loss analyses to actually decide like when they're going to enter and how and what resources to put in so that the solutions are actually sustainable. Both both sides of that coin, they're both taking lessons from each other and, and actually improving the way they work, which is a really, really important thing. Um, but then I think there's also just honestly something that we need to really think about in the way that we bring about change. I think market forces are really one of the strongest forces that dictate the course of innovation in this country. And if you don't take advantage of that, and figure out how to actually direct it to also providing a social impact aim, you kind of leave like a huge potential way of changing the world on the table. We don't want to do that. We want to take advantage of every tool that's out there. Well said. What advice do you have for someone interested in both an MBA program and an impact-related career? I'm sure, Ashanti, when you told your friends you were going to get an MBA uh, and you were in the nonprofit world, they said, what? <laughs> yeah, actually, you know what's interesting? Nonprofit used to be really resistant to business. I think exactly as, as you described earlier, John, it's it was like fangs and, you know, I don't know, you, you definitely kind of took out your amulet and put it up against the, uh, <laughs> the vampires of business that came after your, um, your impact cause. So that actually really was, that was definitely the mentality when I went to school. And, um, and it really continued to be for a few years after, I'd say as well. But I think now things are really starting to change, which is encouraging. So, um, so yeah, I think as people are starting to appreciate, um, not just how important social issues are, but how much even people who work in businesses care about them. I think that's something really true for millennials and Gen Zers. Like they're very passionate about causes. And even if they go into business, they often want to take those causes into their work with them. And so companies are learning to adapt to that also out of necessity to attract a really competitive group of people. So I think gradually we're starting to bridge this, and I think we still have a lot more work to do to figure out how, how we can continue to bolster both like sustainable business and finance and, and impact. Um, but I'm really encouraged. I think we're, we're, we're figuring it out. So, Samir, your advice to a would-be MBA student who's exploring MBA programs and a career in impact? 
first and foremost, the advice that I have is not very popular. I speak to a lot of MBA students that uh, that are looking for careers and impact and things like that. And I always tell them, you know, make sure that you have the sort of traditional experience somewhere on your resume. So for me, it's when I started off my career, I worked at Goldman Sachs and, and had that finance experience for Ashanti after she came out of the MBA program. She spent some time at BCG. But I think it's really important to have that traditional that traditional experience somewhere on your resume and at some point in your career. Um, it's unfortunate because I think, you know, people should be able to follow their passion right away. But I think having that experience helps really round out the skill set. As Ashanti alluded to earlier, you learn a framework for solving problems and ambiguity. You learn how to do very practical things like building PowerPoint presentations and, and things like that. And I think having that experience before you get into a career and impact is it, it not only helps you get that career, but it also really helps you every single day on the job. So say you were, uh, let's play this game. You're interviewing me for a job at your company. What are some traits you might look for? Well, okay, let's see. First, um, I think one is just that ability to think on your feet. Um, we do a lot of really creative uh, test, like a recruiting process these days to kind of test, how are you at a new, a new area or new topic that you know nothing about? So how quickly can you adapt to that? Um, a second is just being really resourceful. Where, where can you find information? Who do you connect to? Um, how, how do you learn about something or actually just build networks into a new space. Because guess what? Networks are one of the most important things that you need to bring in to social impact, especially. Um, and honestly, I, I can't, I have to totally agree with what Samir was saying. We need your ability to make PowerPoints, build models. You need to know how to use Excel. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's a sad thing, but actually it's also just a practical thing. Our work, we don't have time to train people. The thing about going to a place like BCG or Goldman or any other kind of more traditional company is that they spend a lot of money and time on you and invest in you and building up that skill set. And that's what we love when we then poach you later to come and work <laughs> on impact issues and bring that skill set with you. You already know how to do it. So you've got everything you need to now tackle the really big, hairy problems. Um, so that's what I'd, I'd honestly want to see that, too. Like, where, where is that business relevant experience? Yeah. And for me, you know, I think the, the two biggest traits that I sort of look for, I think, are, the, are first and foremost, the passion. Um, you know, when we interview people for mission oriented jobs, whether it was when I was in impact investing or in my current role, you know, it's hard. I mean, every, it's not that it's not that other careers aren't hard, but every single day is a struggle. You're often under resourced. Um, the ambiguity is even higher. And do you have that passion? Does it shine through? And, and, and you know, when you get up in the morning and it's one of those days where, it seems like everything is falling apart. Do you have the ability to have that passion and allow that passion to let you persevere through those challenges? I think the second one is attention to detail. Uh, for me, um, and I, it's, this is a more of a difficult one to address, but having that, that having that attention to detail, I think is a really important trait in, in the work we do because there's often a lot of different nuances um, in, in the impact world and being able to identify those nuances and, and, and keep track of them is really important. Great. Ashanti and Samir, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank, Thank you very much for having us. And for all of you out there, thanks so much for tuning in. If you're in the market for more content like this, be sure to check out our other MBA Summit podcasts, including our student series, Real Students, Real Issues. You can also visit the Michigan Ross website to learn more about what you heard today. This is John Byrne, and you've been listening to Beyond the Classroom, the real ROI as part of the MBA Summit presented by Michigan Ross.